This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. No strings till the hank comes out. Make all the drunk girls scream and shout. We love it, we hate it. We're all just trying to make it in this crazy town. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to a Laco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. Welcome back into the Door Report. It is episode 169. It is official for anyone that just watched that. I'm, uh, <laughs> I don't even know what to say anymore. It, I'm so brain dead, but uh, this is... This is peak TDR after dark, Will. This is this is going to be fun. Um, all right, 169. It is July 20th, Wednesday night. I'm reporting from Atlanta, Georgia. Will is up in Nashville. We are, as always, powered by the great folks at Alaco Finewood Floors. They are family-owned and operated for more than two decades. Alaco Finewood Floors is Nashville and Middle Tennessee's choice for premium quality hardwood floors since 1995. Jimmy Alaco and his army of employees have embodied the approach of taking pride in one's craft and providing superior customer service, growing from a one-man shop to a team of 23 professionals who share the founder's passion for quality craftsmanship and customer satisfaction. If you're interested in contacting them, you can find their headquarters at 2505 Winford Avenue in Berry Hill, or you can call them at 615-356-0303 or log on to alacofinewoodfloors.com. Alaco Finewood Floors, serving Middle Tennessee's hardwood flooring needs since 1995. All right, Will, it is 169. It's time. It's time to talk some SEC media days. I feel like I feel like it's it's really crept up on us. I mean, I feel like it does every year. It's kind of snuck up on us. Um, but Will, what, what did you think? I mean, Clark Lee, you got a chance to listen to him. You got a chance to listen to Mike Wright. Uh, what were some of your early takes from uh, from Vandy yesterday? <laughs> Well, there's one very obvious early take. I think it's probably your early take as well, Billy, but it's the QB battle or the lack thereof going into fall camp. Yeah. And basically, Clark Lee, unexpectedly, I guess, I guess it was unexpected. Um, he announced Mike Wright is 
QB1. I think we all assumed. I think everybody knew it. But to just come out and say he is QB1, QB2 is Ken Seals, and AJ Swan and, and whoever else is on that roster is sitting there battling for that third quarterback spot. But um, I see you smiling and typing away. It's concerned a little bit, Billy. I see you chuckling and smiling over yeah. there. But what are you up to? Your your tweet, a combined three brain cells communicating back and forth. <laughs> yeah, and I think in this scenario, oh, Billy, the, the, I may have actually been two brain cells. You may have been <laughs> one brain cell once I explained to you what I was trying to say, and you went, my God. But back to the comments. No, well, 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 you were you were all three. You were all three of those brain cells. It's tough. It's but tough get, to get back to it. Back to it. What so now, say, well, yeah, now that I've lost my train of thought. But um, the QB battle, I mean, he, he announced, basically, we knew it, Mike Wright was going to be the guy. They brought him to SEC Media Days along with Ben Bresnan and Orgy for a reason. That wasn't by accident. But at the same time, he also ended any conversation about the backup quarterback job. And I think clearly what I took away wasn't anything surprising about QB1, maybe not even Q2, but obviously with AJ. Swan and what they saw in game in spring practice and what they've seen thus far in summer workouts. He's clearly not ready to compete even for the backup job there. And the quote that Clark gave, and, and I have it somewhere around here if I can find it, but about the seals is, is the first quote that I want to play on in this episode. But he specifically pointed out and gave credit to Ken Seals saying, and this is in quote from Clark during SEC Media Day said, I want to just give credit to Ken Seals because in an era right now where nine out of ten times that player that's getting the disappointing news makes the choice to move on, Ken Seals said his and made a determination that he was going to earn it every day. And so I want to give a shout out to Ken Seals early because I know that we were very critical of him and, and we're even in favor of Mike Wright winning out that battle, but it would have been very easy for Ken Seals to transfer out like he said, I think it may be higher than nine times out of ten now in modern college football with the one free transfer, basically, where you don't lose the year of eligibility. So Ken Seals, props to him, and you know that you have a guy in him, especially that he's fully recovered from the injuries that he had uh, sustained during the 2021 season, that you have a quality backup there that I don't think there's – I think there is a draw, definitely a change in playing style that would completely change the game plan of Vanderbilt, but Ken Seals in that backup role, because he's going to take hits, he's not a big guy, it's likely that he's going to get up throughout this season, at least having to come off the field if his helmet comes off first. You have to put in a new quarterback. You see that all the time, and all the time teams are unprepared with a guy that they don't feel comfortable running a real play, and you end up wasting a play on center third down because you don't have a prepared backup quarterback. You have Ken Seals sitting there, who's started his entire freshman season, started 10 SEC games, granted not winning any of them, but that experience and then started games last season. So there's quality depth at quarterback, even if I wouldn't even say there's necessarily a quality Q unproven QB1, even though I think Mike Wright's upside this year is pretty high. I, I think you do have quality depth there that is going to contribute at certain times throughout the season more than people expect right now. Yeah, it's it, it was crazy to to kind of see the reaction to this because Coach Lee brought Mike Wright with him to SEC Media Days. That is typically a, you know kind of an inadvertent naming of the quarterback. Usually, now a lot of coaches you know 
don't usually come out and name them anymore in SEC Media Days. That's what SEC Media Days used to be. Now coaches are, you know, they just kind of, they want to hide a lot more, I feel like. So, but well, nonetheless, there was a lot of talk about that. There was a lot of talk about Clark Lee's comment, the statement he made about Vanderbilt uh, eventually in time being the best football program in the country. So we've got that to talk about as as well. But uh, we've also got a Jordan Rogers clip to show. I got about a three minute interview with Jordan, and uh, I think it's really good stuff. Actually, uh, we showed a little bit of it on our Twitter, uh, and then we'll uh, end the show, or we may just do it. We'll, we'll do this whenever. We'll pick a good time for this. Will, but uh, SEC Mike and cousin Shane from that SEC podcast, really good guys. Uh, where they uh, joined me for about six seven minutes or so. Uh, yesterday so so we'll get into that as well but uh, before we get to the breaking news don't forget to follow us on twitter at door underscore report and instagram door dot report like us on facebook subscribe to our youtube channel our podcast is available on anchor itunes spotify and google podcasts and while you're at it give our podcast five stars and review on itunes all right let's get to our breaking news all right will sec media days is the topping point is the topping talking point uh, man, my uh, brain is just so so fried right now, Will. But um, let's uh, let's let's get into the interview, Will. Let, let's watch that. It's a really good interview. SEC Mike. If you don't follow him already on on Twitter, he's got I think almost forty thousand followers. Uh, I mean, he's one of the top guys in the SEC. He's got his cousin Shane with him on the podcast as well. Uh, I had a chance to interview those two guys uh, yesterday, so we're uh, we're gonna throw that thing on right now. Welcome back into the Door Report, and I am now happy to be joined by. Michael Bratton, known as SEC Mike, and Cousin Shane, of a part of the That SEC Podcast on Twitter. You can follow them at That SEC Podcast. Guys, are you all tired yet? Uh, we've been tired <laughs> since yesterday, but this, we're having such a good time. It's We're powering through it, you know? I love it. I love yeah, it. Mike was like, hey, you want to go to the stadium tomorrow? I was like, no, I want to go to bed. <laughs> I want to get some sleep in. Yesterday was a big day, day two at SEC Media Days. When you look back, what, what kind of comes to mind from, from what any of those coaches said yesterday? your boy coming out talking about i mean that, i mean there was a whole bunch of stuff that came out it's, it's been coming out all week uh, a lot of people wanted to get the nil everybody wants to get some questions out of the way mm-hmm. i think that was big um and, and, and i don't know about you mike but it just feels like we we have a lot more uncertainty with this nil and the future of it than ever uh right. just listen to these guys talk um so i guess that would be the biggest one for me how about uh, you know it wasn't LSU day, but we had we had Mike Leach and we had Clark Lee making fun of Brian oh, Kelly. His name. I, love that. <laughs> I love that. You know Alabama, they're always confident, but I sense like a quiet confidence from Nick Saban. So good luck the rest of the college football. Feels you know they're they're motivated, they're angry, they get their yeah. most talented team in the country. Uh, but the highlight for me is always Coach Leach. I mean, oh, no yeah. matter what room he's never in, disappoints. Exactly. I mean, he's just uh, he'll go off on all kinds of tangents. Yeah. Was giving us Netflix recommendations. <laughs> I mean, how could you not be happy with what he gets? I love how he 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 t- puts so much time and effort into each answer. It takes about fifteen seconds before he actually gets to his answer. <laughs> just actually thinking about it. But guys, I want to get a little bit deeper into Vanderbilt, Clark yeah. Lee, Mike Wright. We're here yesterday. A lot of confidence, and I talked to Jordan Rogers about it yesterday, and he loves it. Yeah. I mean, you guys like it too. And of course, they're going to get mocked. They're going to get joked about, but. You know, even Franklin, you know, he I don't know if he went out and said something like that when he was here. So as a whole, I mean, what's what what should Vanderbilt fans think of this? Obviously, it's it's a long journey. But is this a nice little start? You know, a a quote like that? Well, Shane was asking me this. He asked the same thing on our show, that SEC podcast yesterday. And, you know, he was like, do you like the bravado? Do you like shooting for the champ, being the best team in the country? That's what you got to do. 
You yeah. strive for, for perfection knowing you'll never achieve it. And that's how you build a winning culture. And I think that's all he's trying to do there in Nashville, coming in there, giving those kids confidence that they didn't have under the previous coaching staff. Uh, it all starts with that because if you don't have confidence going in, I don't care who you got on your roster. Uh, and I love the fact that he's trying to instill that not only in the team, but in the entire conference, let mm -hmm. them know Vanderbilt's right. coming. And that's yeah. kind of like what I, I caught a conversation earlier with Cutcliffe, and and that's kind of the thing he had at Duke. You know, nobody's expecting Duke to win national championships, mm -hmm. but every single year they were competing for a top 25 team. That's exactly what Vanderbilt wants right now. And I, I love the quarterback. I mean, it, that one kind of <laughs> threw me off a little bit, uh, just the announcement. The announcement, yeah. Yeah, because you were thinking if there was any competitive edge, you know, because the coach speak, that's what mm -hmm. we hear all the time. Well, it's a competition, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And then we get to week one. There's there's a big difference between Seals and, and Wright. Mm -hmm. And I thought maybe, maybe he, that's an he edge. would keep that to his chest. But, no, he rolled it out there. And I like that because no more questions about it. Mm -hmm. QB1, we know who it is. He's getting all the reps in the well, offseason. Not only that, but it backs up this confidence that he said. It's one thing to go out here and say it. Yeah. It's another because he's right. There There is, you know, a slight competitive advantage mm -hmm. for Hawaii to have to prepare for two, they're going out there and letting them know this is who we're going to start because, you know, all, all due respect, an SEC team shouldn't need an edge over Hawaii. And I think that's what Clark's trying to tell his team is these yeah. are 22. We're going right. to go out there and we're going to whip you. Yeah. And you're going to know it's coming. Wait Guys. a minute. What if Seals rolls out week one and he got us all, you know? <laughs> Big brain galaxy stuff right there. But, guys, I want to talk about the SEC East. Of course, Vanderbilt likely going to be at the bottom of that. But I've heard a lot of people say Tennessee, not only in the East, could be that second team, but the, the third team in the, in the SEC as a whole. Yeah. So, Tennessee, they'll be here tomorrow. But is there – I asked Jimmy Himes this morning, is there too much pressure on them right now? Or, or, do you think they're feeling that pressure? Or do you think Hypo and this team's excited about that and they're saying – yeah, let's go. Let's go prove ourselves. I, I think when you share a division with Georgia Bulldogs, there's no pressure. You know, that's kind of hard. There is a there is. We talk about this on the show all the time. There is a group of guys there on the East that we either we don't know. We don't know who number two in the East will mm -hmm. be. Um, so I don't think there's as much pressure. But having some a, a lot of returning. Uh, talent coming back to Tennessee. I think that's a little bit of a, a you know, I mean, Hooker coming back was big for us. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee balls. And, sorry, I say us because I'm a Tennessee homer <laughs> if anybody doesn't know. But <laughs> I just, I, I, I think there's a little pressure with him, you know, because he's wanting to play in the NFL. This is his, this is his audition to get in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting you say that. Because I don't even have Tennessee as number two. I, I went with the wild card. I went with the Florida Gators. Really? But you could talk me into Kentucky. You could talk me into even South Carolina, yeah. I think, can make a big jump. You could easily talk me into Tennessee. So I'm not saying they, they don't have that. But, again, only won seven games. Who did they really beat last year? They beat Kentucky on yeah. the road. That was an impressive win. The other games, it was you know, it was almost like classic Tennessee where it's like, hey, it was a nice showing, yeah. but you lost the game. <laughs> yeah. you know, so it, it's kind of hard for me to get too riled up and think they're going to make that big of a jump to be an 8-9, 10-win right. ball club in the regular season. But I certainly like love the pieces on offense. The defense, I mean, that that's obviously going to be the big mm -hmm. question mark. I thought the defense actually played well for what they had last year, but they're still missing pieces. I still think probably Kentucky, Florida, they got better defenses than Tennessee. Right. Cool. Florida. Florida. It's funny because I have Kentucky number two. You know, so it's like it's all over yeah, the board. It's all over the board. You don't know how and that's like going to that. play out. Yeah. I'm, yeah. And I think, 
and I'm not saying it feels like it's like that way for both divisions. Am I wrong this year? I mean, same thing, sort of thing with the West. Mm -hmm. And I heard Chris Doring, I think yesterday, early, early yesterday morning, he talked about the SEC West could be the best division in in college football history this year. So are are you guys thinking the same thing with the, with the the West this year? Yeah, because I got Auburn dead last. I I think a lot of people (laughs) do, but no disrespect because I think they're probably a top 30 football team. Right. So there's something to that. And Alabama's going to be preseason number one. Everybody's got A&M in the top ten. Yeah. I'm not quite on that bandwagon. <laughs> but I like Arkansas as a, number two. Right. So I think they're more top ten. Mm-hmm. A&M maybe top 12, 13, yeah. something like that. So, yeah, I, Mississippi State could be the biggest breakout candidate mm-hmm. and get seven, eight wins potentially. <laughs> so low, the ultimate wild cards, LSU, Ole Miss, just don't know what to make of them yeah. with all the transition, all the turnover. But they are loaded, and they have two – Really great football coaches leading those programs. So theoretically, two through seven, you're saying could finish in really any order in the West. I mean, except for Auburn. I'm, except for I'm, Auburn. So two through six. I'm keeping them at. Seven. He hates Auburn for some reason. I don't know what that's about. But guys, uh, before I let you go, over under two and a half wins, Vandy this year. Do you, do you think they over. get over? Over. Over. Oh, yeah. Easy yeah, call. Easy. Put your mortgage on it. They'll go. They'll no, come just out the- right away. Beat Hawaii. I think they're yeah. non-conference. Elon. Their toughest one is Wake Forest, but still, I got no respect yeah. for Wake Forest. I even think Vanderbilt will win an SEC game this year. How about that? So really, I'm going yeah. way over. How we about talked that? about that. I'm quoting you on that, Mike. And we talked about which one did you think it would be? Oh, for the, uh, for the yeah, SEC, SEC win. They get an SEC win this year. Who's it against? Probably Missouri. Okay, okay. I can go on Ole Miss. Okay. I just the, oh. ske- the scheduling with uh, Ole Miss Vanderbilt. It's a sneaky. It's a always sneaky a sneaky game. game. Lane Kiffin after what he did to him. <laughs> Come so on, man. It makes sense. Come on, Lane. <laughs> guys, appreciate you joining me. Um, and uh, hope you guys enjoy the rest of your time at SEC Media Day. Yeah, Thanks, absolutely. man. Thanks, appreciate man. it. There you have it. SEC Mike and Cousin Shane of the of that SEC podcast. Really, really good podcast. They do great work in the SEC. And they, and they talk Vandy. They're, they're an SEC podcast. They talk about Vandy, and they're not – moronic opinions about Vandy. They, they, I mean, they, they know what they're talking about about every SEC school. So, Will, what'd you think? I mean, that's kind of the respect factor that Clark Lee, Mike Wright created at SEC Media Days yesterday. Everybody, a lot of people were talking about Vandy. I, I was here, there was a lot of rumblings about what Coach Lee said and what the confidence and swagger from Mike Wright. So, uh, what'd you think about those guys? A little bit of a different SEC perspective on it. Yeah, number one, repeat that over under for Vandy. The over-under I've seen is two and a half for Vandy. Two and a half yeah. wins. Okay, no, no, that, no, right. I'm not saying because you're wrong. I just wanted you to repeat it in case that was lost because that's the first thing that I'm going to take away, which I love the over on Vanderbilt, unrelated to being a Vanderbilt fan, which I obviously am. But that over-under is only that number because of the name Vanderbilt and the previous two seasons. Just looking at the schedule, Elon is no ETSU. That is the biggest misconception just because they didn't have North Dakota State on their chest. That ETSU team was a top five FCS team, top 10 yep. pretty much all season. That's a very, very good team with an NFL caliber running back back there. Yeah. Vanderbilt also has Hawaii on the schedule to start out the season right there. The first, the first two games of the year, Vanderbilt will be favorites. Even away against Hawaii, they will open as a favorite. I'd be pretty sure if they are not a favorite in that game. So I, I love the over in that, just like they said. But they, but they seem to agree. 
and the takes that they, as far as the surprise factor, <laughs> I think that Hawaii would be a good idea of who is going to be rolling out at quarterback. Now, the other side of that is, is Kinseals going to be utilized whatsoever? Is there going to be any utilization of him in any way? And that's going to be the interesting part to see if that's used. I kind of tend to think no, because I, I think if you were wanting to do any utilization, that likely you would not have announced the starter. And typically that goes the other direction. Typically you have a throwing quarterback and then you sets packages for a more mobile quarterback to go in there but yeah that interview they seem to uh be some of the few based on listening to their podcast in the past and based on that interview glad we got to share it in that way that actually talk about vanderbilt without just saying uh something like the asinine article that i read on ten read on a tennessee an article saying somehow vanderbilt actually made news at sec media day and i said somebody gets paid to write that headline and i guess it worked because it, it brought attention drew my eyes to that headline but i'll tell you one thing i know how the clicks were i specifically didn't click on that article just because it was so there you go. So. <laughs> that's why i don't have i don't pay for the tennessean anymore that's uh that's exactly why, that's why no one does but, uh, that's why they only have one yeah. edition on the weekends now poverty ass yeah. newspaper okay <laughs> but uh will i uh i want to say ken seals won't be utilized but it's hard for me to believe that we won't see him on the field this year. Um, you know, because my, my thing is, you know, let's face it. We all knew where the quarterback situation was going after the roller coaster of a season seals had last year. But the fact that seals didn't transfer after hearing this news from coach Lee, I'm not sure when he heard it, but that tells me that this isn't as one-sided as it might seem because, you know, I'm my, Mike Wright's the guy. I'm not saying Mike Wright's not the number one guy anymore. But I do think we will see Ken Seals on the field to a certain extent. I'm not saying they're going to do a two-quarterback system. But, you know, I don't think Clark Lee will be afraid to pull the trigger on Ken if 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 Mike Wright goes out there and he throws a couple picks. I mean, you know, that's, that's pretty obvious. But I do think we will see Ken to a degree. Now, to what degree, I'm not sure. Um, but Mike Wright's the guy. And, and I love what Cousin Shane said. It, you, you've got that down. You know who your guy is. Yeah, that's QB1. That, that's – that's your guy, and that's good for the whole team. It's good for Mike. I don't know that it's good for Ken. Obviously, probably not. But at the same time, Clark Lee, Mike Wright, the entire offense, this entire team has that figured out. And a quote – I love the quote you said about Ken Seals, Will, and that was from an article. I think Robbie had that up uh, in his article. Shout out, Robbie Weinstein. Um, I mean, give credit to Ken Seals. He, it, it's it's hard to, to, to say that right now, but – my coach, Coach Lee is right. I mean, nine out of ten times that player is is transferring to to a different school, and so and and he's saying I'm done with this. But uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll eventually see. I, I I'd love to look back, kind of fast forward to the end of the season and look at the percentages of snaps between Mike Wright and Ken Seals by the end of the year. I mean, I think it'll be overwhelmingly Mike Wright, but I think that's a good thing. I think that's well, a good I thing think for I think that it's. I think it is Mike Wright, and I think it's. Not just what you saw on the field. I mean, it, it's going to be hard to have a true quote unquote quarterback battle when you have a running versus a throwing quarterback. And you've seen both of them in live game action and have game film on them. It basically probably came down to the leadership aspect of it. And from everything that we have seen on the outside as fans. So this is an outside perspective, not saying that there's inside sources on this, but. Mike Wright seems to be 
the emotional leader of the sideline. Even when he was the backup quarterback, he led them out of the tunnel. He seemed to be the guy getting everyone fired up before opening kicks. So I think it's that A and then B. Ken Seals, for better or for worse, has had his opportunity. And I think that it's easier to say if everything else is held equal and the leadership edge goes to Mike Wright. Say Ken Seals has pretty much started 15 games, pretty much. And you haven't seen much success out of him. Granted, a lot of that was under pretty dire circumstances in that season where they went 0-9, and he was basically playing with a ragtag put-together group every single week on top of being already not a very talented team and an SEC-only schedule as a true freshman. But it seemed like he regressed going into year two. Things didn't get better, and it felt like every single game Mike Wright was taking a step forward, and this offense was taking a step forward, and you saw a path to success under Mike Wright. So I think that it's being undervalued, what I mentioned before we went to that interview portion, with it's going to be really unlikely that a guy with Mike Wright's build taking hits consistently in the SEC, that he's not going to miss, even if he remains healthy throughout the whole season, that he's not going to miss 5% of snaps just with miscellaneous things happening, dinged up, his helmet comes off, and he's required to go out of the game. He misses a quarter because he's under concussion protocol because he took a shot. Just going to happen throughout the year, and especially, and I keep saying it, is everyone keeps comparing Mike Wright to past to Vanderbilt quarterbacks of the past. You could say Chris Nixon, he was a running quarterback that tried and kind of developed the arm a little bit, but it never truly came together for him. But he was a much bigger body than Mike Wright. He was he was strong fast, but he wasn't as fast as Mike Wright. He was a good runner, but he was he looked like Physical. a running back. Mike Wright is a has a slight slim, similar to his brother Taco Wright, who's a corner there uh, on the on the roster a year behind him. But man, it's hard to imagine that he's going to be able to take those hits consistently in a read option style offense and stay on the field for every single snap throughout the year. So Ken Seals say, staying there are going to be opportunities for him to see the field in SEC play, likely just through things happening with the running quarterback. Yeah, well, after the interview, it was funny. I, I talked to cousin Shane uh, about 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 Mike Wright and Ken Seals and the difference between them, and he, he compared it to Madden, the, the video game Madden. He said, "Would you rather have a receiver at quarterback who's running for a hundred yards, you know, a game, and but he's throwing for thirty, or would you rather have a quarterback who can't run and is getting sacked four or five times a game, and you know, you're 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 going to be losing no matter what. I'm not saying Vanderbilt's going, you know, they could definitely win three, maybe four games." But if when you at this stage for Vanderbilt, it's it's kind of the lesser of two evils, kind of. I mean, Mike Wright's the better quarterback right now, but with that offensive line, it's hard to believe Ken Seals could have much success. It's just I, I look you and know, you, maybe, and maybe it's another it's another that, thing, but... Billy. We haven't even gone into a raw breakdown, and, and we haven't done that season preview. We'll do that as the Hawaii game approaches which is, I believe, August 27th. We'll do that leading up, going Week through every zero. single position. But when you look at this roster, they do not have a deep wide receiver core. They have Will Shepard, Devin Body Jr., who's semi-unproven, and then pretty much a bunch of guys that are freshmen and seen a ton of snaps on the field. And so that doesn't lend itself necessarily to a throwing quarterback to begin with. Now you look at that backfield they currently have, and wow, this is probably the most loaded backfield 
in deep backfield with game experience and successful game experience that Vanderbilt has ever had. They have Ramon Davis returning from injury. I think that is going under the radar. That was their best offensive player going into last season. And he uh, went out with injury in week two in that Stanford game. But that was, I repeat again, the best player on the entire offense and the most talked about guy. And he's kind of forgotten just because Morocco Griffin and Patrick Smith had success. And so now you have those guys returning and you have a read option running quarterback and you have Ramon Davis coming back fully healthy with plenty of time to recover from that injury. I think this offense, if the offensive line with a few guys returning, there's some holes, but you have a little bit of experience. And if some younger guys can step up, this offense could be sneaky in the amount of rushing yardage that they are put up this season. I think that they're, they have the horses in the backfield, and then they have Mike Wright on top of that, and they have just enough weapons on the outside with the limited capabilities of Mike Wright's arm. He's not going to be fitting the ball into windows down the seam in between the corner and the safety or hitting corner routes against cover two, fitting it into that small little window. That's not his game. But his arm is good enough to hit some routes. His arm is good enough to hit – uh, Bresnet and Gavin Schoenwald on these little tight end slants and tight end ends and good enough to hit the bubble screens to Body Jr. And then the occasional deep ball to Will Shepard, who is a deep threat. And this year, the opposite of the take that I had in uh, in, in last year with the wide receiving core, I want to see Will Shepard get about 50, 60% of the targets in this offense. I think he is the guy. He gave instances and showed last year that he has playmaking ability and he had some drop issues. But this year, this is the time for him to step up into the lore of Vanderbilt wide receiver history. And I don't say that tongue-in-cheek. You have Jordan Matthews and Earl Bennett and Chris Boyd, which I know that's a name that's a little bit forgotten in Vanderbilt times. But uh, Chris Boyd and then have Trent Sherfield. And if you continue down this path, I think Will Shepard's the next one. So Will Shepard, this is the season for him to have a pretty big one because that play-action read option stuff on those slant routes, I can see him splitting some safeties up the middle for some 60, 50 yard touchdowns this year. I know I'm getting a little ahead of myself, Billy, but damn, I miss football. And an SEC media days always feels like that is the time of year that it really kicks off coverage again. And the news cycle begins all over of the dead period, pretty much because the coverage is picking up, guys are coming back. And I'm excited, Billy. And I know inevitably something's going to happen that's going to, uh, that's going to hurt me. It's going to happen. It's going to happen early. Don't know if it will be Titans. Don't know if it will be Vanderbilt. But something early in the season will kill my uh, enthusiasm for the 2022 well, season. Well, well, your trajectory, your, your rising action right now, some, somewhere you're going to reach the climax and you're going to start falling down. Um, but on Mike Wright, well, last season, 53% of his passes, his completion percentage, 1,042 yards, eight touchdowns, six interceptions. Of course, not much to write home about. But he did run for 376 yards down the stretch of that season. And the, the offense totally changed when Mike Wright went in there. And so, but on the throwing side of things, well, I'll be interested to see how much he's improved throwing the football after attending the Manning Passing Academy. Um, and, and he actually talked about that. You know, I asked him about it actually at, at the stage when he was at the stage. He said, yeah, I mean, being able to be around good, other good quarterbacks who know what they're doing in terms of throwing the football – and also being around a guy like Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, the Manning brothers, I mean, that's it's pretty, it's pretty pretty noteworthy, I think, to, to, to go to a camp like that and then come back. We'll see what he looks like when he, when he comes back. But, uh, but yeah, well, so that's the quarterback 
controversy, I guess you could say, uh, not much of a controversy anymore. Um, but, Will, let's get to Clark Lee's comment. And uh, this, boy, I tell you, this had people talking. This had people talking. When he said this, it came, uh, it came as a shock because he kind of – he didn't say it under his breath, but he kind of said it faster than a lot of the other things. I feel like he wanted to get this, get this in real quick and, and kind of slightly say it, but he got it out. Everyone heard it. And it was, uh, it, was, it was shocking to hear it, but at the same time, after thinking about it, I kind of sat there and said, you know what? I like it. I, I kind of like that from Coach Lee. I mean, would you rather have a coach that doesn't say that? I mean, that, that, that's, that's kind of my argument from a Vanderbilt perspective. James Franklin said similar things, but I don't think he ever said anything like this, like we're going to, in time, make Vanderbilt the best football program <laughs> In the nation, obviously, it is it is not a literal statement. Now, now, obviously, that that won't happen in the near future. It may never happen. But to be able to think like that and, and to talk like that, it does show you the confidence of 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 his plan and the confidence he has in his plan and and, and in in his his the future of Vanderbilt football. So, hearing him say it was I, I was kind of dozing off a little bit as he was about to say it, and then he said it. I was like, wow. Uh, he just he just kind of threw that out there. So, um, well, we're going to get to Jordan Rogers' comments. Um, do you want to hear these before we before we get to your take? I mean, yeah. Let's go ahead and frame up, and hopefully, my internet connection will stop making you sound like one of Alvin and the Chipmunks. Fast forwarding through uh, what you're saying, so I tried to catch as much as I could. Uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and head to the Jordan Rogers interview. All right, let's let's head over to Jordan. Jordan, obviously uh, Vanderbilt was in the news today with uh, Coach Lee's comments about Vanderbilt <laughs> being a national contender, uh, of course, under him down the road. What did you, what did you make of those? Doesn't surprise me. I mean, you like I want a head coach that has that confidence. I want a head coach that isn't afraid to say those things. James Franklin did that as well with us. I remember the first meeting I had with James Franklin. He's talking about we're going to compete for SEC championships. We're going to go to bowl games. We're kind of looking around the room going, Hey, coach, did, you know we went two and ten last year, but I love the confidence, and that's really what gave us confidence. So Clarkley went up in there and said that because he knows he's confident. He wants his players to know that he believes in them and he believes in this program. I think that's what really helps and makes really the difference when you're trying to develop a program. You're trying to develop confidence. You're trying to develop a team that can go out there and compete on a weekly basis. Yeah, Restream has is not our friend anymore. Restream uh, hates us now, so we're gonna do our best. Uh, maybe we got to make another payment. Will maybe that's uh, <laughs> maybe that's the problem. But uh, Clark Lee's statement. Let's get to it. We will post the full Jordan Rogers uh, clip in my interview with him. It's about three minutes. We'll, we'll make sure we get that out to you guys. But Will he looked a lot more confident than he was last year at Media Days. I'll say that I, it, it's a little bit different being there in person. I watched Clark Lee on on TV last year at SEC Media Days. But being there in person, you, you feel the confidence. You, you hear the way he's talking, and you hear some of the things he's saying, and you hear him being intentional about, about most, if not everything he's saying. So I felt the confidence, and, and talking to other people, they felt the confidence from him. But now I think this season, if he's able to put together at least one SEC win, that'll be the difference. That'll kind of that'll confirm a lot of his confidence and in, in, in a little bit of what he's saying. So, Will – what did you make of Clark Lee's statement? And 
obviously everybody's going to be talking about it. Everybody's going to be mocking Vanderbilt. They're going to be joking about it. Um, but at the same time, as a Vanderbilt fan, you got to sit there and like it. For any Vanderbilt pe- person that watches that and is annoyed by it or is pissed off by it, I don't understand that. <laughs> Going into this season, I think, Clark Lee, you have to say those things. And I wish we would have gotten the rest of that George Rogers interview to play because uh, I saw a little bit of that that we had posted previously, and it, it was a really good portion uh, talking about the expectations of Vanderbilt this season. But yeah, you're not going to go in and say, yep, our cap is about eight and four, nine and three, uh, competing for second, third in our half of the SEC. It's about as good as we'll ever do. And I, I think that that is, first off, it's not true. Uh, but second off, it's like, yeah, probably reasonable in the next five to 10 years, the expectation is to be that your expectation is to go eight and four, is to be teetering on being that top 25 program, similar to the interview that we were able to play uh, with video previously saying that that expectation going into every year is like how Duke is, uh, like how they have been able to develop that program into eight and four teetering on the top 25 is an expectation. And then when everything comes together all at once is when you can make the push. So it's a little bit more similar to what Derek Mason said in the, in the cycles, but the cycle shouldn't be bought out at 2 and 10, 0 and 10. That's not how the cycle, the cycle should be bottoming out at 7, 8, 8, 4, and peaking at the incredible run that every fan dreams of in their school being the Cinderella team with all the talent accumulating together at the top. And I can say in 8 to 10 years, and that may be, may be a little bit low of, of what he envisions, there's nothing stopping Vanderbilt from being a top tier program. They're in the conference that's expanding out and is going to be part of the new landscape of college football. So first off, I think Vanderbilt finally has administrators that understand the business opportunity and brand opportunity for the university because Clarkley started out talking about Candace Story Lee and Daniel Deere, their commitment and Vanderbilt being a founding member of hold for your life because that's going to be the meal ticket into modern college football. It's about to pretty much just be the SEC versus everyone, the SEC versus the Big Ten, and then one, one other tertiary, quote, power conference. And it's going to be interesting to see how that shapes out with the opportunities with NIL. Vanderbilt can capitalize on this changing landscape. I think traders see this started changing and around when uh, the whole landscape of college athletics changed with the engine of super conferences uh, coming into play. I, I think Clark Lee, he said, had that any coach should have made the division. You actually have administration. So that's the part that's never happened before. I think you're seeing SEC revenue checks put back into the revenue generating sports for once. And that's nice to see. And it's why you've heard we've chilled out a little bit on being so critical of this administration because we're seeing it to the right places and, and tangible results being achieved in the plans actually with a finish date on the football reconstruction, the renovations that have already been done, the basketball locker rooms, Memorial Gym, and Vanderbilt Stadium. So things are looking up. I think that's all that, all that Vanderbilt fans are looking for. I think at the end of Derek Mason's tenure, to that last season of him being like 
he's an actually intelligent human being and not just a good old ball coach. And he doesn't have a fake country accent. And Mike Wright is probably one of the most impressive and just the energy that he has in interviews is contagious. You find yourself just smiling when you watch a Mike Wright interview and you can't figure out why that is and you can see why guys in the locker room are style. So hopefully that was relatively close to what you were talking about, Billy, because like I said, you sound like Alvin and the Chipmunks. And I really have no idea uh, when when you're going to stop talking. Yeah. So, uh, well, everyone, bear with us here. Uh, I couldn't really hear half of what you said, but uh, I'm going to go ahead go ahead and end uh, most of people suffering. We will get more of a full complex recap of SEC Media Days coming up. But uh, good job, everyone. And uh, I, I'm I'm sorry for anyone that listened to that.